Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i am your host brian j rowan with me today we have bill graham we also have robin Barr. how do you say hello in german i feel like i should know that Hello. i took german yeah guten tag guten tag it's like good day isn't it Guten yeah, Tag, I think that's, yeah. I mean, okay, so Guten Nacht. There you go, mm-hmm. Brian. I don't know. Anytime I, per- anytime I hear the word Nacht, I get real freaked out. Um, <laughs> the first of many jokes about Germany. Um, <laughs> just America, a real pot collie the kettle black situation right now. <laughs> anyway, um, and with us today, a very special guest to talk about Undina, uh, the newest film from director Christian Petzelt. It's Ella Bittencourt. Hi, everyone. Hello. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Are you beta? <laughs> that, means, that means good in German. Bill is I'm, apparently going to be gonna... lording over his seventh grade <laughs> German education. They didn't even offer German in my high school. It was Italian, uh, I, Spanish, I or French. I took that in college. So. Oh, Okay. For me, it was uh, Italian, Spanish, and German, I think. Hmm, not even <laughs> French. Wow. No, oh, no, no. I'm sorry. It was French, Spanish, and German. There was no option for Italian. Oh, I see. Yeah. I'm from I Long Island. no options. So. Oh, yeah. So if they didn't offer Italian, how would everyone be able to say, like, you know, I need a gabagol? Yeah. <laughs> my goomba. <laughs> my paisans. We're getting uh, ready for our uh, Many Saints of Newark episode <laughs> coming up. <laughs> Uh, instead of in the Heights, we'll just do in Staten Island. Um, anyway, uh, Ella, would you, you like were to... the king of Staten Island. Oh God. What a terror. What's, what's a good, I liked that movie. What's a good Queens, New York movie. I guess Goodfellas. Um, coming to America. Mm. Mm. Goodfellas is Long Island. Mm-hmm. No, I mean... I'm going to claim it. All right. Whatever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Ella, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience uh, so people know who you are? Um, sure. I'm Ella Bittencourt, and I'm a film critic, film and art critic. And um, what else? Um, I guess I've I've brought some films to New York to present screenings as well in the past. Uh, yeah. Awesome. And as I said, we're here today to talk about Undina, uh, the new film from Christian Petzelt, who has previously uh, done movies that we've talked about. On this podcast, uh, such as Phoenix and Transit. And uh, those were two uh, crowd favorites. So we're excited to talk about this film and see what we all thought. Uh, before that, usual stuff. Uh, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can, of course, email us podcastfilmstage.com and give us a comment and rating on iTunes. And follow us, not follow us, become a patron of this by going to patreon.com slash the Film Stage Show. Uh, for as little as one dollar an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel and first crack at all of our raffles. Um, in addition to that, we are brought to you by Mubi, 
which is the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, movies, fantastic curators premiere a new film, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. It's guaranteed to be a movie you've been dying to see, one you've never heard of before. There will always be something new to discover. Um, last night, I plugged last year at Marion Bad, and I'm going to stick with that recommendation. I also would like to remind everyone uh, who listened to our Quiet Place Part 2 episode that movie has a new podcast out called movie podcast and this first season they will be covering films that were big cultural hits in their home countries and nowhere else so if you are looking okay. for a way to learn more about foreign cinema uh that hasn't made it to the shores of the united states in a way that we usually expect uh big hits to then you should check it out uh, so go wherever you find podcasts and uh and get your get your movie podcast on i am um, <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm struggling, and I just have to say it's because uh, the cicadas are screaming, and I I feel like I've done <laughs> yeah. enough work that I've filtered the sound the out on my mix. Screaming. But the until the sun goes all the way down, they are just still flittering around and wailing like Japanese ghosts, and um, I just I'll be better in like five minutes. Um, the thing is, it's silent on your end so we just think you're crazy yeah no that's the crazy thing um i posted actually this is a a good plug for our patreon i posted a video of my house with the screaming of the cicadas and someone was like wow so it's just like that one noise just constantly and i was like it's actually if you were here you'd know it's four noises (laughs) at the Mm -hmm. same time um and it's it's bananas. It's uh it's absolutely crazy. I uh, couldn't hear my daughter when we were on our walk today. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I don't know when they're gonna stop. Um but anyway, uh movie mubi.com slash film stage for your free 30 day trial. And don't forget to look for the movie podcast uh wherever fine podcasts are streamed to your device. So that's that. Um Robin, Bill, and I were on this podcast last night, so I'm assuming we don't have any new news to share with one another. Um, <laughs> I'm sure something happened today. I was about I don't to say, you don't have to try to appear <laughs> like something happened. You can just say, yeah. I don't even remember the last 24 hours. No. Well, it's just hey. one big blob of That's time. That's either awesome or terrible. Um, <laughs> Great. Awesome. Well, that means that we can dive, if you'll pardon the pun, right into our feature review, which is again of Undina, uh, the newest film by writer-director Christian Petzolt. Uh, This film stars Paul Beer and Franz Rogowski. I believe I've said that correctly, uh, who is also the star of Transit. So here is the trailer. That's part of the trailer for Undina, uh, the film that we were talking about today. As always, we begin with our spoiler-free section, uh, Basic Thoughts, before moving in to our spoiler section, uh, where we'll dive, again, sorry, deeper into the film. Uh, let us begin. Uh, we start, as always, with our guest, 
Elbit and Gort, what are your all-around basic thoughts on Undina? I'm intrigued by Undina. I mean, I I I think I was maybe somewhat mystified by it the first time I saw it. It was not a film that I expected from Pestled, which strangely enough is what I love about it now after seeing it again. Um, but I don't know. I'm I think it kind of drew me in the second time around by by being an impossibly romantic love story, which then I realized that many of Petzold's films actually are. Um, and these kind of stories of finding or trying to find decency and, and love in maybe an increasingly cynical world, I guess. I don't know if it's a fair explanation of it, but yeah. And, and wonderful underwater scenes, which actually I, which I guess Petzold hadn't done before. Although I've read somewhere that water is maybe a, a recurring motif in his cinema, but definitely a lot more water here than anywhere else, other than maybe in the, um, I guess, Yellow, right? Where it was the Carnival of Souls, so um, inspiration. So there's there's plenty of water there as well. Hmm. But yeah. Awesome. More fairy tale-ish than anything else he's done before. Although once you see Undina, you kind of start looking and seeing fairy tales and kind of myths or, more, or maybe semi-fantastical stuff in his other movies as well. Yeah, I was I was about to say I feel I feel like um, Phoenix at least um, has has an element of fairy tale to it. And actually, now that I think about it, Transit does a little bit too. Anyway. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Bill Graham, what did you think of Undina? So all I knew about this film coming in was just simply that Christian Petzold had done it. Um, and I am a, a fan of his ever since Phoenix, um, which came out in 2014. It's stronger elements are definitely the romance at the heart of it. Um, I think a lot of the kind of stuff on the periphery, um, the fantasy elements and stuff like that, uh, just feels like window dressing to me. It doesn't feel like it's, it's explored in any particularly like interesting way or I, I just don't know what, what it's doing here besides complicating what seems to be a fairly kind of straightforward love story, um, in a way. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, but I hesitate to know what to do with it. Um, I don't know if it's a good representation of a fantasy. I don't know if it's a good reputation representation of, a love story because it's complicated by um, what's kind of sitting at the heart of it. So um, when we are able to talk spoilers, I'm sure we'll be able to kind of get a little bit more in depth and detail on that. But uh, that's what I got to leave you with for now. All right. Robin Barr. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to echo what Ella and Bill shared, which is that I also agree that the romance is the, strongest part of the story and kind of the the ethereality that goes along with the romance um i thought worked very well it, um ella you had mentioned the underwater scenes i i just enjoyed the sort of 
blanket or the washing over me uh, during during those particular scenes, but they are far and a few between. Um, I have to just say, I found this movie t- really tedious. Um, I had a really hard time getting through it until maybe the last 20 minutes or last half an hour when the story does pick up. Uh, part of it is, I, I don't know if it was just maybe the the time of night I was watching it and, and reading subtitles and I just couldn't force myself to do it. But frankly, I mean, half the dialogue is this character Undina uh, lecturing on the history of Berlin architecture. And I found that part of it like almost offensive that, <laughs> that, that like we are being forced to listen to this over and over and over again. And thematically, I, I kind of get what Petzold is doing here and we can talk a lot more about it, but just the execution of having to listen to this woman, not only give these lectures, but rehearse these lectures. I just was so bored by that. And I love history and I love the history of cities. And I was just like, kill me now. Um, So that really, really dampened it for me. I mean, the other elements work well. It just feels so floaty and I couldn't really grasp like what was what the point of any of it was really. Um, so maybe that's just like the plebs take on this movie. I don't know, but it, it really didn't do what I thought it was going to do for me. Uh, yeah. As for me, I, I think that um, I don't, I don't think that the romance aspect in this movie ever really worked for me. And I think that that, you know, in a, in a movie that's about a romance, if that doesn't work, you're kind of screwed. So yeah, I um I never got into this movie as much as I got into you know Phoenix or Transit, um the two other petzolts that I've seen, and I was a little shocked by that uh, because I I kind of after those two movies I was like this is it I'm on board I don't think this guy could do any wrong, and I I won't say that this is like a misfire but I think it's just it it mm-hmm. proves that this director is not 100 percent my guy, <laughs> um like I thought he might be and. And that's totally fine. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, I also I, I also chafed a bit at the um, the the recitation of the history of Berlin architecture. It was relentless. There was a lot of it. I the first the first one I was cool with. I was like, all right, this is nice. Like she knows a lot about this stuff and like you know the history of the city and like reunification and stuff. Like I see the themes. This is great. Okay, we're doing it again. Okay, we're doing it again. All right, I think we're doing it one more time. It's just, <laughs> it was um, it was a little much, just a wee bit much for me. And I again, I think that part of the problem is that like the the primary romance, I don't know that I ever felt it as hard or as deep as I should have, and and that becomes a that becomes an issue. I I also just kept, I, I didn't really give a rundown of the plot of this movie, and I don't know that it matters um if you're the type of person who sees an undina episode on a podcast feed and goes oh my god i can't wait then you probably already know what it's about um <laughs> but like, i just I, if it's gonna be this kind of thing i wish that it was a little more fantasy like maybe a little you know i understand you're trying to make it modern obviously but i do i do wish maybe there's like some more swoon and some more sweep and some otherworldliness it's just mm-hmm. it was it was very I don't know it was very stoic and I, I you know honestly I I had pl- 
I had planned to watch this and then to watch Undine uh, with Colin Farrell. Um, mm-hmm. And then possibly uh, The Secret of the Ronin-ish. Um, just because I was Great like, what's, okay. what's, what's another, what's another movie about a woman who's a sea creature, uh, and there's a um, relationship. The secret, the, the, the there's like an Irish one that's animated. It's, uh, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure both Undine and the secret of Ron Inish are both. No, that's a, there's a different one. There's a different like, Irish there's the song of the sea, the song of the sea. It's by the same company the same art artist studio that did like secret of Kells and Oh, okay. Walmart. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. It's yeah, also I about done selkies. So, Oh man. Well, I love me a selkie. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. But I never got a chance to, cause I, you know, I do, this is like a, this is a, a, a prototypical world spanning myth. You know, I, I did a little research on the Undine mythology and, and what it's all about. Um, and it's you know it it's it it felt like an interesting premise to plumb for me, but I never felt that it it did it. And part of that is something that I guess we'll have to talk about in spoilers because I don't know how deep. If you know the myth of Ondine, you know then you know what I'm talking about. Um, the way that her relationships end. Uh, but if you don't, then I'm just I'm not going to spoil that. So I felt like that was something that could have been better moved on but uh you know it's 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 i don't know it's not for me i was gonna try to end out on some positive note and then i realized i didn't really have anything <laughs> positive to say yeah, no <laughs> so yeah um, I feel bad. well maybe i will be just the only person who'll throw in something that's uh, like a little bit more positive in terms of i mean i totally get about the repetition of history and how much can we listen to it i i have to say that for some reason, I was willing to go on that ride. I'm not entirely sure why that was, that those history lessons about Berlin didn't bother me. One thing that worked for me is that Udina is this one character that kind of incorporates this totally cerebral, you know, kind of logical explanation of how Berlin developed and that there's a part of what she delivers all those people that are coming there as the visitors that just kind of like fits totally into the kind of city planning discourse and a fairly, I don't know, historical, but but kind of like also a capitalist view of how Berlin is growing and what needs to be replaced with what. Mm-hmm. And just this idea that on one hand, she incorporates like that, but also that like Berlin can also be seen as this, you know, city that emerged from a swamp where magical things are still happening and that it's kind of somehow connected to its history through these very vibrant myths. I mean, that part of it, I loved. I mean, I, that's a very conceptual explanation maybe of like why I was willing to sit through all of that. Um, and it should also be mentioned that like, I, I felt like a lot of the time when she's going into that room, there's some kind of a suspension of action literally because you're listening to a history lesson but it's also always unfolded into this dramatic thing that's about to happen right i mean like the first time she goes in i remember that scene because she goes in she literally goes in but she has this lover that's about to give her a very dramatic news and no spoilers so we'll talk about it later but you know so it's just kind of her being in that room but it's a bit of a pressure cooker because like she really needs to be outside and She's waiting to see if her lover is still there and so on and so on. So I, I felt like there were also like very practical solutions with how he constructed those scenes that um, that ended up bothering kind of less. 
Yeah, I, Ella, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I understood the yeah, yeah. device. It, it made sense to me, especially when you think about the history of this story and the when we think about how how narratives um, are built around the places that we live and what you know what's infused into the buildings and you know the sacred ground that we walk on every day. So I that that did very much ring true to me. I just, um, I had problems with the repetition. Like it was just, it was like soporific to me, Mm -hmm. but I think you bring up a really good point that I don't think I realized while watching it, which is um, this movie doesn't do a lot of literal uh, transformation in the way that a story about a sea sea creature or a Nereid or a mermaid would typically do. But the one transformation that we do see of Undina is when she puts on her work clothes and when mm-hmm. she removes them. That that is like, I, I thought that was such an unusual. Yeah, give um, me give me a detail. crab singing a song about that. <laughs> right. It was, but it was so pointed. Mm-hmm. Like she becomes a different person when she puts on the mask of her professionalism. And there's, a, I think, at one point where. Uh, a lover of hers, my, maybe Johannes, says to her, like, I've never seen you in your work clothes. And so mm. on the one hand, she's like this hot German chick in a leather jacket and sort of roaming the streets and sort of the tableau of like what I think of like cool German women. And then in these <laughs> other scenes, she's like in a blazer and her hair is up and she's uh, intellectual. And it was just it, it's like it's an interesting dichotomy i think and an interesting detail and now that you the, now that you bring it up i also recall that um it's an environment that's also strangely indifferent to her i mean there are later scenes and again spoilers so maybe we should talk about that later but actually well, I mean, i'll, I'll we just can, bring it up later i feel comfortable she, oh, saying now that yeah. we, we can we can like from this point on we're spoiler free like just oh, okay. go for it like rock on we got there okay great embrace yeah. it because this film is so full of spoilers it's just yeah. you can't I, I knew i'd be the first one see to start <laughs> with the spoilers thing but um no because i mean when undina ultimately disappears and we'll talk about that more more um, this kind of semi-corporate environment she's in delivering these history lessons. I mean, her co-worker, for example, right? When her lover, um, when Christoph uh, is looking for Undina, I mean, it's very clear that this co-worker couldn't care less. So as you said, here's this magical creature and so much is vested in her. And yet really when she disappears, there's no one but Christoph to mourn her. I mean, it's just kind of... You know, that was magical realist to me. Yeah. Where it's just like the the magical creature, you you notice her when she's in your presence, but as soon as she's gone, it's like it it's gone from your memory. <laughs> this <Yeah>. iron. <laughs> I, thought I thought that, that was interesting. I uh, yeah, yeah, I mean I kind of understand that, but I don't know. There's there's still some part of me that she just felt this is going to sound terrible. She felt too ordinary. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Why is like, that terrible? Everyone's, I don't know. It just feels weird to call someone ordinary. Um, but I mean, she's supposed to be a water spirit nymph thing. I don't, it, they're just, she didn't say like, I don't know. I just like, I, I kept feeling like, shouldn't she, how long has she been a human that she seems so blasé about everything? 
you know, all these people are just kind of like, oh yeah, whatever. That's that's Indina. You know, there she goes. There she is. No, she's gone, and I don't care. And I'm just like, it just feels like weird that this that she would make so little of an impact. And then it's like, so why? Why should we care? Right. I didn't, and I didn't see her acting any specifically more uh engrossing way with with the men in her life so like why then is it is it the thing that that they are still stuck on her in some way like i just it it feels to me like you know knowing the the fairy tale that there should be some sort of verve to her some some extra little little zhuzh that makes her something more i don't like it but again it's I, I don't Should know. Should we maybe... talk about the fairy tale? Because I think maybe that would be helpful yeah, to ground the conversation. Yeah. Who knows it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of these things where there's like 400 different adaptations of this kind of thing. So it's hard to say. But like basics are Undina or, or Undine or, you know, what? I don't know. I'm just going to call her Undine while I you talk Undine. about this. <laughs> Undine, uh, she is she's like a water spirit, and then she she marries, uh, I guess, like a guy, you know, a knight or a prince or whatever, in order to gain a soul. And the rule is kind of like if he ever leaves you, he's gonna die. And then, um, and then he does, and he does. And it's, <laughs> it's it's a tragedy, obviously. Um, and it's it, it's it's this kind of thing where it's it's so. It's such a rich kind of tableau, you know, this kind of thing where it's like, oh, I, I love this person, but if they don't love me, then then they're going to die. And like, there's nothing I can do about that. And it's almost like, you know, getting them to love you in the first place is a curse onto you because you know that the only thing that's going to happen is that they might die if they ever leave you, which compounds, you know, the already horrible concept of what if this person I love leaves, you know, <laughs> so... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's um So so my question is kind of twofold. So when do we think that she told Johannes? Did Johannes find out? Did Johannes already know beforehand before he got into a relationship? So with that's Dean? Yeah, I don't know cuz she's like you're going to die, right? Like that's yeah. going to happen and, 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 and he's just like, "Oh, this he's, again." <laughs> he's yeah, he's not surprised by this, right? So it seems interesting that he is kind of blase about it, right? I mean, very noticeably, and, you know, our guests kind of mentioned, like, you know, there is that kind of tension point when we first have that kind of lecture is is she going to come back out and is he going to be there right at the cafe that they kind of love to meet at and so it is kind of interesting that you know at first you see him and he's not moving right at first when she kind of peers back at him you can tell like he's he's like oh shit okay and then he kind of like is like nah fuck this <laughs> and so uh it, you know and i don't know what his exact thought process is but obviously you know f- the fact that she runs into him later tells me enough about the fact that like he didn't just get up and and leave the country right like he's still hanging out around the same area mm-hmm. so 
Um, I, I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure how far away she is. I think they're romancing. She's romancing with Kristoff near her her apartment at this time when she runs across him, uh, Johannes, uh, at the bridge. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, like, clearly you didn't go very far you know um so i don't know how seriously he's taking it but it does bring up the most interesting thing and you know the shame is that i can't bring this up during our kind of non-spoiler section and i can't really bring it up during kind of i i I hate telling people like stay for the end because the end's kind of really good um because then people are just fucking anticipating the end the whole time and i don't want that to happen either i know as a viewer like that usually makes me mad when someone's like oh boy that ending though and i'm like what ending i'm not there yet what the (laughs) fuck is going on you know so um but I feel like the ending is really something that we can kind of, you know, settle out, settle down and like, and like talk about. But I think she either sacrifices herself or she sacrifices Johannes to bring Kristoff back. And so I think that's why it, there is kind of a little bit of a smash cut of her walking into the sea, right? And it's not that far up behind her murdering Johannes, right? That Kristoff wakes up very suddenly from that hospital bed, you know, after being quote unquote, you know, brain dead. And it's like, okay, you don't, I, I think you don't come back from that and you're talking. I think you come back from that and you're just a slurred blur of a human and then slowly you kind of, you know, get Well, yeah, but I mean your... there's clearly magic happening. Like there's some Exactly. And and so that's what I'm saying is like I think I think it's very clear that like we're supposed to understand that something magical happens. Now whether it's Undina uh, you know, sacrificing herself or is it uh, her killing Johannes and kind well, so of that's, ending that cycle. That's the, the, the weirder thing for me is the fact that she's apparently got to pull the trigger on Johannes. Cause in the, and again, I, I have done stories. only, I've only done cursory research into the stories, but in, in the, so there is an actual disease called centro hypoventilation syndrome, um, which is a, a sleep related breathing disorder that causes ineffective breathing, apnea or respiratory rest during sleep. It is, it can be fatal. It's not great. And it was originally sort of known as Undine's Curse because in uh, a play version of the Undine mythology uh, from 1938 by Jean um Hans is the dude and Undine is the girl and they fall in love and they're going to get married and Undine tells him, uh, I shall be the shoes on your feet. I shall be the breath of your lungs. And she makes a pact with her uncle, king of the Undines, that if Hans ever deceives her, he will die. And then she gets caught in a fishing net and he falls back in love with his first love. And then they meet after like six months and he tells her all the things my body once did by itself. It now does only by special order. A single moment of inattention and I forget to breathe. And then they kiss and he dies. Um so that's supposed to be the thing. It's supposed to be like, it's not like, uh, what's that movie? Allied, where it's like, if your wife isn't who she says she is, you got to murder them. It's supposed oh to be like, an, bring it back. It's it's an ethereal, like extra 
extra like extraordinary like exterior circumstance so that's what i was waiting for i thought like because you know if she's in love with someone she would have like an asthma attack or something something you know i don't know i literally there's a scene where um uh johannes like comes up to her and is like oh i made a mistake going with nora i'd love to get back and like with you we should talk um i'm gonna go to the cafe da, da, da. and he walks away and i he was walking by a construction site i was literally like oh something's gonna fall and hit him on the head and he's gonna die okay all right so you think you think this is gonna turn into uh <laughs> It's, what's, that, what's that movie or series that we just final watched? destination final destination, yeah, final destination. <laughs> no i just think it's like, i think that it's it it is it, it behooves the story in a way for because what what haunts me about these these tales you know like um is that there there is like that layer of a curse so like you let's say you fall in love with someone right and you work to get them to fall in love with you but you're doing that with the knowledge that should they ever fall out of love with you, they will die, which would suck because you you love them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, or when they they're get like what they deserve. Well, it's not <laughs> that they get what they deserve, because usually if someone breaks up with you, you still are like, oh, I want you to be happy. And even if you don't want them to be happy, you don't want them to die. <laughs> like no you... one's ever broken up with me. So. Oh, my God. Well, aren't you so lucky? Um <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say now, but it's it's just it it's it is stranger to be like. So, like, you know, she's like, uh, you're going to die, like, if you leave me. And he's like, all right, whatever. And so, obviously, like, she doesn't have to be afraid that, like, some tragedy will befall him because she knows that she's got to do it her own damn self. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't, apparently her her new boyfriend will be harmed and killed in a way. I don't I don't know if that's if that's what's pulling him. Right? Well, so that's and another th- issue that th- I have th- with th- the movie. Right. Uh-huh. I don't know if anything is, is follows anything else. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think I think it's fairly are, are we kind of in agreement that Kristoff is back because of something, right? Something exterior, either Johannes or either Undina. I have to imagine it's because like the fates or whatever were like this 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 woman isn't going to kill her her ex, but she's got to. She shouldn't be there mm-hmm. anymore. So mm-hmm. like, you know, if she it, like everything that happens to her after Johannes leaves her is like on borrowed time. So the only way to get Kristoff back is to, you know, do what she was supposed to do and then leave like she was supposed to. I don't so that's know. Yes. Uh, does, 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 uh, Ella, do you have any, you know, sure. opinions or um, thoughts or ideas? You know what? I confess that I didn't try to unravel it. I think when <laughs> I saw it the first time, when, Me I neither. Saw, when I saw it the first time, maybe I had greater demands. And maybe it was because, like, for example, um, I remember um, Yella, right? But you have Carnival of Souls. So you have this character. This is his previous film, right? But you have the character that's like technically dead, but she's in, in purgatory and so on. But that film was so rooted in like just the, the logistics, the what was happening, the, the kind of earthy things. Um, the, the plot felt very fleshed out. So yes, the first time I saw Dina, it took me by surprise. And I think I was looking for some kind of... I don't know, logical connectivity. When I saw it the second time, I already knew what I was in for. And I think I was just a little bit more willing to surrender. So it definitely felt to me like when she says to her lover, well, if you leave me, you have to die. That that just felt to me like kind of a very 
it just felt like saying love is sacred. You know, Dina just felt like this character who romantically insists that there's something about love that is sacred and that's unbreakable and that we'd all like to think, as you said, that if, you know, if my lover leaves me, well, then they might as well die. They're, they, they're dead to me, but she believes in it, in it kind of literally. And that's what it felt to me the film is about. I mean, this kind of magical thinking, magical time mm-hmm. that, that lovers tend to have. That lovers just tend to have, you know, kind of creating their own that their lovers own reality. Tend, yeah, that, tend to have temporarily. The lovers tend to have temporarily while they are madly in love. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, that's what it what it felt like to me. Um, and so I didn't the second time when I saw it, I, I I don't know that I pressed as much for explanations. I mean, you said, "Well, does Undina kill?" Johannes in the end I mean it feels like she kills him because he by returning and then this kind of very crude and brash and offensive way insisting of you know let's just be back together what the heck and and so on that he kind of you know then initiated I mean it feels like in her mind he's the reason why then she was suspected of betraying Christoph and that in her kind of jealous, magical thinking of the two of them, this created some kind of, uh, you know, plausibility or um, that isn't even real, but it doesn't need to be real because it's irrational. Lovers are irrational. I mean, it, it seemed kind of about that. It felt almost more metaphysical than, than actually fantastical in the sense that we, mm. It didn't feel to me like we were going to get a full, you know, full-blown magical creature here. It almost felt a little bit, honestly, at times, like um, that film Kishlovsky's Double Life of Veronique, this idea that you are somehow just so connected to another person. Um, and I think that that's where the film worked for me a little bit more because I enjoy Rogowski's performance in transit so much. And I know Paula Beer is there, but she's there very briefly. She's just kind of this very <laughs> yeah. elusive character. And I read somewhere that Petzl said, you know what, when I worked with these two actors, I just felt like they're so beautiful together. And, you know, I'd love them to have a love story and here they are in transit and it's a love story that will never come true or never work out. Not that Undina works out very well either, <laughs> but but definitely in Undina, you can see that he gave them so many scenes and those are some of the most beautiful scenes of just this kind of effortless intimacy that feels overblown, but it's also immensely touching and maybe seeing it, you know, kind of around the, during the pandemic, there's just something about their kind of very flesh and bodily coexistence and just how close they are without needing to talk or I don't know. Uh, there's some kind of a synchronicity between these two lovers that struck me the yeah. second time as, as, as quite convincing. I, I agree with that. And I think those were the parts of the film that worked most for me, uh, whereas the, the scenes of them falling in love because the minute we see, uh, Oh my gosh, what is his name again? Is it Christian? Franz. Christoph? Christoph? Christoph, thank you. The main minute dude, right? we, Yeah, the main dude. <laughs> yeah. who, who I think is just utterly adorable. Um, I love him. He's the, he's the best. He's great in transit. He's great in A Hidden Life. He's got a really unique kind of face. Uh, and I 
I really it's, go it's, for it's a actors like that. Yes. It's, it's a more European and I love Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. And I love yeah, yeah. I've been in love with Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix since I was 12 years old. Uh when I saw him in Gladiator. So he wow. definitely Wait has a second. That. Let's pause. <laughs> you fell in love with Gladiator Joaquin Phoenix? Oh, yeah. Mm, seventh grade. Mm-mm-mm. Just like, oh, that sickly, patricidal, weak bastard. I love him. <laughs> I like angry guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, this guy's so sweet. Instantly, I mean, you know, he falls in love with her right away. She's like, uh, no, I'm in love with Johannes. And then they have this weird moment where he's trying to ask her out. He is like, oh, she doesn't. She wants nothing to do with me. Then I think he bumps into an aquarium at the cafe. And it's, I mean, you know, some magical shit's going on because there's like a little figure of a diver in there and it's some, I don't know, talisman or something for her. <laughs> where obviously it represents Christoph, who is a diver. So that was like a little hokey for me. But they, anyway, they they bump into this aquarium. She saves him from being, uh, I guess, shredded to pieces by this, uh, this glass shattering everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then they like lay on the ground covered in water and they look into each other's eyes and you know they've fallen in love instantly. It was just like so silly and sweet in that moment. And I, I think I love the detail where the, uh, barista comes back and he's just like you assholes like what did you, you do know, my that is the difference between Germany and America because in America that guy would be like oh my god I'm so sorry there's blood yeah, like, like, don't like, sue uh, me yeah don't sue and this guy's like wow uh, you guys better have good coverage because I cannot believe you did this also you're banned also stop bleeding all over the floor get the yeah, fuck exactly. out yeah. you so, monsters so bizarre <laughs> uh, and I, what I thought was interesting is that Germany has this kind of long standing history of of magical realism as, as part of their canon uh so it just kind of felt right to me that this movie is not so obviously fantastical but is more of an amplification of reality mm-hmm. or or hyper reality um because it fits in very well with a story like perfume i don't know they kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of each other or like they they share a texture in common uh even though they're very very different films so yeah it just that part definitely worked for me but i just couldn't really follow the logic and i probably agree with you ella that it makes more sense not to because if you try to peer too deeply into the glass like everything's gonna start to look distorted um you should just probably take it as it as it is because at some point i was like is some spirit of Johannes calling her up, accusing her of being a slut, but using the voice of Kristoff? Because I think that's like the whole, the whole thing starts really where she gets, feels guilty. And she feels like, Oh, in my heart of hearts, I was not being honest with Kristoff. And then it turns out that Kristoff was not accusing her of being untrue to him. Rather, there was some spirit or some, I don't know, malevolent spirit kind of playing with her because it turns out that Christoph was actually dead or brain dead that during that whole uh, sequence where he, supposedly he was accusing her. <laughs> and I think my brain logic was like, okay, she needs to kill Johannes to give a soul back to Christoph, but then she descends into the water. So it's like, whose soul is going back into Christoph? Like, I don't know. Well, I would... <laughs> I mean, 
the soul is where you get you get dicey because like maybe the soul is still in the body even though he's brain dead you know and you just but then you're like oh he's got to stop a brain to start a brain i don't know it was um, something like that like there was a sacrifice there was a yeah was very much the ending of the little mermaid where <laughs> she's just sort of like oh i'm in a state of grace now i'm gonna give up I'm going to give up my corporeal form and turn into foam because I love this prince who won't love me back. I kind of thought it was that, but See, that's then it the, turns out to be another myth. <laughs> that's another reason. I like the fact that, you know, it's 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 almost like a uh, like a uh, an Orpheus don't look back kind of thing. Yes, I, I yes. like <clears throat> I don't like it where it's like if this <laughs> man betrays you, you will die. I like if this yeah. man betrays you, he will die. So like, do you trust him enough? To, you know, pursue him and and make him love you, knowing that, you know, if he's a if he is of weak character, it will cost him his life. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh like that's just one of those like just six other layers of of stuff. There's so much trapped in here, like Medusa, Medea. I like I'm getting a whole f- sense of uh like Lilith or a succubus. Like there's all these <laughs> things kind of swirling, like the vengeful, you know, um, what do they call it? Like hell hath no fury, like a scorned woman. Yes. Whatever that phrase is, like that's what I'm getting from here. And it's mixed up into all of these like folk tales and mythos. And But what's interesting um, about that is, again, that it, that is more in this movie because she has to be the one to, to hold the blade, I guess. <laughs> like it's got to be the blood's got to be on her hands. Um it's very uh, like you know, and and I think it's uh it's difficult to know because we get no insight into her non-human self, or maybe like what so- what society she comes from. Is um, there even even indeed is a society like that's what I was kept questioning is like whether she is in fact a fantastical creature oh or God. whether she just sort of ascends into this otherworldliness. I was worried for a little bit that the movie was going to be like, yes, she's quite mad, you see. She believes mm-hmm. that she's this creature. Oh, Lord. I'm glad it didn't go to that point. But again, too, it's like, yes. <laughs> it, did she kill herself? And that's her ghost in the water? Or is that just her spirit sort of returning to her place of origin as a sacrifice to save Kristoff's life? Or is she a water ghost? Or is she the catfish? I don't know. <laughs> no, she's not the catfish. The catfish is something else completely. Yeah, he saw uh, the catfish independent of her. But and, was and the, catfish the catfish like is, her, her the, uh, cat, Sebastian? The, <laughs> the catfish is also on video, right? Notably, like uh, th- that's that's another aspect that I actually like about this film is that they kind of play with that kind of magical realism by basically saying like, no, the catfish is definitely real. Like you got video of it and you know, he even, well, not just him, but everybody else sees it too. Right. They're like, Oh shit, that's a big catfish. Right. Um, but they don't say (laughs) anything about her cause she's not on video. Right. So, you know, whether she is there or not, you know, it kind of goes back to like the legend of like vampires and like how they can't be seen in mirrors or whatever, you know? So it's like, okay, so maybe, maybe she is magical and maybe she is magical enough to where she's like, no, fuck, fuck selfies. Like get out of here. Like I have my own Facebook. Don't worry (laughs) about it. And so, um, 
quit tagging me and shit. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. So I, I think, I think she, and even like the fact that Kristoff notices that Undine, um, uh, Undina, Undina, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, that he sees in that like archway that there's like a little, uh, although like it looked like that was like a perfect stamp. I was very like kind of mystified by why that didn't look like a carving and it looked like someone like used a, uh, what, like a temporary tattoo on that thing. I was just like, what is this? Is this a stencil? It's like an Instagram like, font. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, Jesus. And it's even got like the perfect little heart next to it. I'm just like, okay, what the hell's going on here? Like, <laughs> is, is like, why, why is this thing sunken? Well, that's, and that's like supposedly like, you know, 300, 400 years old, but is that like how the old font? That's supposed to be? I don't know. Like that's, that's, I don't that's, know. I don't know. I know. And, and it's, I know I like, I kind of hate how in the weeds we're getting about little things like that, but it's hard not to, especially for me as a person who did not find the central romance that compelling, because then I start scrambling for things on the periphery. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel bad about that, but I am who I am and I can't stop myself. I'm surprised we actually agree about a movie. I just, it sucks (laughs) that it's a, that that it's in a negative way. (laughs) Right. What's the next movie we're talking about? In the Heights. Oh, Christ. Well, we already disagree <laughs> about that movie. And I, I haven't even seen it, it yet. I, I don't know. I <laughs> see it the show. That's about it. I don't know. I, I agree. We're getting into the weeds because I don't even think Petzold actually has thought this through. I think he's an image maker, not so much a plot man is the sense that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's And definitely not a dialogue writer. Yeah, but I mean, but that, that's really interesting because, um, and I'm intrigued about that. I guess Undina is the first film where Harun Faraki was in, involved in the process, but it seems like there, for all the other films, there was a process that is actually quite evolved and that really involved a lot of writing and pre-writing and kind of writing some scenes and sending them off to Faraki and Faraki getting back and saying this works this doesn't or these kind of extensive discussions so it's really interesting because actually none of none of the other Petzl films feel like feel particularly slight in terms of a a storyline or a character I mean this is the first time where it just feel like Petzl is experimenting. I don't know. Or there was something that kept on intriguing him and he tried it. And for now, maybe it hasn't been a complete success. What interested me at the end is that there's a certain point that I guess he acknowledges that Undina is this character that we will never grasp psychologically. That's kind of what a myth is. Myth really makes, makes sense. But, um, but that at the end, it stops being about her it's really much more about Kristoff in a way because he wakes up and he's haunted by this figure and he actually goes and at night leaves I mean he now I mean he had a woman that he's he's been working very closely with she's clearly I think her name is Anna is it Anna or is it Monica now we're going to get oh confused. I don't even remember but the I think brunette. that may be Monica <laughs> the brunette right so I think it's Monica and Monica is clearly always there She's completely unnoticed, absolutely in love with Christoph all throughout. And it's only at the moment when, you know, he kind of wakes up from the coma and um, that 
um, they go back to working together and he's completely haunted, but somehow manages to start building or rebuilding a life with Monica and Monica is pregnant right now. I'm giving all the spoilers, but suddenly it becomes about something else. It becomes about the kind of choice that he has to make of either being perpetually haunted by this bigger than life woman that he was actually passionate in love with real and real, whatever she might be kind of pursuing this idea in his head that is a little bit like this fish that just kind of emerges from the depths or coming back to life in the fullest sense and, and kind of choosing to start his life again with this very flesh and blood woman by his side. And that, that feels very real all of a sudden. It hurt me to see that. I don't know. Maybe it's because like I constantly threaten my husband that if he remarries when I'm dead, <laughs> like I will haunt him. Like I promise I will haunt him. Jeez. So <laughs> what, Brian? I said, geez. Oh yeah. I'm a terrible person. I mean, well, I don't know, but it did sort of like gut me a little bit or like sting me when I saw that he was with Monica. Cause I was just kind of hoping he would mope forever or something. Um, and then she's pregnant, oh, and that felt like worse. I was just like, "Ugh, you really moved on, huh?" Well, he hasn't seen her in three years. Like, what's he gonna do? So, yeah, I don't know. Waste yeah. away. <laughs> I mean, you know, or not, uh, or not. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrible because, like, I know that I would like probably remarry right away. <laughs> I, Jesus, I'm going. Uh, I'm a terrible person. Um, and a hypocrite. Oh yeah, one one thousand percent. I'm the bad one in the marriage. Well, it's good. That you anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I I think I think that little aspect of of the romance is really really interesting. I like that a lot. Um, I like that he kind of has to struggle and figure out like, okay, you know, when he sees Undana again, um you know, he is kind of thrown for a loop. Like, you know, uh, they're like, you know, what happened to you? You, you know, we were about to like jump back in after you. We didn't know what was going on. And, uh, you know, you can tell that he's kind of shaken when he's coming out of the water, uh, on that kind of return trip. And you can tell also that, you know, Monica is kind of picking up on that, right? Like something's changed. Mm -hmm. Something happened down there that he's not being truthful and honest about. Um, and so I think, I don't know how much they kind of know about, uh, each other's past romances, but I imagine that, you know, Monica probably mentioned that, you know, this other woman showed up and even the fact that, uh, the, the diving buddy, I guess the, the guy that kind of leads, leads the show, I guess, or just bo Mr. Bossy pants <laughs> is, uh, is like notices when Undina shows up, uh, at the uh, scene of the accident, like he recognizes that, oh, there is this other woman. He's probably told them about her, right? Oh, they know. Uh, they definitely know about her because when he stays yeah. there that one weekend, they're like, oh, he's waiting for Undina. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to the point where like they even kind of recognize her, right? Like, uh, yeah. But 
uh, it's it's just one of those things where I guess uh, there was something un, unrequited or not unrequited, but just unfinished about that kind of romance. And so, of course, he's got to kind of see that off and kind of finish that that storyline um, to kind of move on with his life. And, you know, very notably, I mean, I guess you know, you could be the realist and be like, well, I mean, you know, he's probably not going to drown himself. And then, you know, cause she's still going to live or whatever she is in that form. So yeah, like she, he's got a unborn child and a, uh, I guess a wife. I don't know if they're married. Um, and that's Close not enough a to have gotten her them. pregnant. We know that much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he is in love with her and so yeah he's got something on the surface to live for so instead of just like drowning and killing himself no he he goes back for her you know um so yeah i I think i really like that aspect that it kind of makes him make a choice there at the end as well yeah i agree i don't know if he's making a choice though like is he is was he ever going to go back or was he just like wanted to say what up? No, I think he was making a choice for sure. Like he could have stayed with her in that underwater realm forever, either killing himself or I don't know, turning into one of her. I, I don't really know. Well, that's the way he another catfish to be with her. <laughs> another catfish. The he got catfished by her yep. to turn into a catfish. <laughs> But I think he does make a choice, absolutely. And I, I mean, like, joking I mean, aside, like he makes the better choice. He makes the choice to live and be on Earth. And I just don't know that he ever even. Well, that's a judgment. He, I don't know that he ever. That I don't know that he ever thinks that there is an option to go back with her. I think he's just like, I've got to say something. Like I've got closure. To, yeah, he needed his closure. Right. I don't and know. Because I think like that he Johannes been with her. I don't know because Johannes comes back and he's all like, "Hey, buddy, pal, like we should be back together again. I'm gonna go to our uh, cafe. Right, right, right. I'll see you there. Hey, I already got a hotel room. <laughs> I'm gonna be right here waiting for you. We'll go right there. Oh, and like what a mustache guy. Yeah, uh, fucking mustache guy. And then um, she murders <laughs> him. And I feel like <laughs> <laughs> does she murder him or does she just sacrifice him? I like... she does what she had to do. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> That's the only thing that you can do to a man like that. Anyway, so she murders him. And um, but like, I don't know. I don't I don't sense any of that. Like, I miss you. I need you. I want you back in my life from from Kristoff. I think he's just like, I need to know if she's real. I just at least need to know that she's still mm. alive. And she comes back. and She's like, yeah, it was me. Sorry, dick move. I know. But like, there's circumstances and I can't explain to you because we're underwater. But here is the symbol of my love for you. I'm releasing you and I think you should go back. And he's like, all right, cool. That's all I needed. And then and then it's over. And then you, don't, you don't think you don't think like in Aquaman that she made like a giant air bubble. And so they could talk to like normal people. <laughs> no, 100 no? percent. No? OK. OK. Who knows? I mean, again, it's like, what is anything? Well, I mean, that's, what is she? What is he? <laughs> that is part of my issue with the film is that like those are the things that I that I wish I had because I need, I need just a little bit more than I'm getting from this movie. But if you don't need that, a little more color in the story, so to speak. Yes. Yes. I don't know. Ella, what do you think? Did he make a choice? I think, I think Ella's point about, about, him not utilizing the same uh, kind of co-writer uh, Harun Faroqi, right, uh, is is pretty 
on point. So, yeah. And I don't know, I don't remember if Faroki is per se given credit as, um, as a co-writer. I, Faroki was, um, you know, a, a documentary and experimental filmmaker in his own right and was very important in his field. So I don't know if they were like actively actually writing. I, I think it was more like Faroki was just reading this stuff and Petzold was at some point his student and just considered him his mentor. So it was just to say that it felt like if, for, at least for all the other films, that there's a there's such great carefulness about how the stories and characters are constructed in such precision. It almost sometimes, for example, in Barbara, it feels a little like thrillingly cold almost at times. Um, and Udina is like the opposite of that. Everything's bigger, everything's louder, and just more romantic, and just more and more and more. And I don't know if that's a direction that Petzold always wanted to try and go in, or if that's also a factor of suddenly him, you know, not having this extra reader. I mean, I, I'm not sure. But what do I think? I think he, he makes a choice. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. he, to me, it read like a, like a choice. It, oddly enough, Undina, because she's so fantastical, she didn't, feel vengeful to me in like a film noir or a wrong woman vengeful kind of way. It just felt like there she's almost, she's so automatic. She's so mechanical in that scene in the water when she goes to kill Johannes, it almost feels like she's some kind of a figure of justice. And now she's avenging this love that has been insulted because Johannes simply doesn't understand what love is. You know, it just felt almost like, more figurative for me. I mean, it didn't, um, yeah, it almost felt like more symbolic to me in in that moment. But then when it's very real and Christoph has to make a choice, yeah, I think that's, there's an underwater scene when he and Undina holding hands and it's very clear that he can either hold on and be pulled, as you said, into this underworld or he must make a choice to emerge and he clearly makes that choice. And I think, you know, that scene on the bridge, he and Monica, it feels like Monica very much knows that he has made a choice and she's tremendously believed. And, and there was always something about her as a character being so not underwritten, but just kind of very subdued and very different than Undina that felt like she's not, She's also not quite trusting what she has. She never feels on a very stable ground, which made to me a lot of sense. If you have a lover that you feel is constantly being haunted or that had that one particular romance in his life that was just bigger than everything else, how much confidence are you going to have um, in what he feels for you? And yet he kind of comes around and they have this lovely moment on the bridge where it feels like, she's tremendously relieved and he has chosen. So then that's, it felt very much like a choice, but I also felt that this is the moment where there's a little bit of a character arch for, um, arc for Undina. Hmm. Because if she is vengeful and she does murder and she does, or if she's this figure of justice and, you know, either way she, she kills Johannes at the end, she's kind of underwater there's this underwater shot and she's kind of looking out at the world without her. And it's a very peaceful shot. I mean, she's like looking out, I think on the landscape. I don't remember if she ends up seeing Christoph from underwater or not. 
I mean, like when he's already out and she's still underwater, but she's yeah, like clearly looking from under onto the world that has like, that she's no longer a part of. And yeah, it's weirdly peaceful. Like if there was something vengeful about her, it doesn't seem to be there by the end. You know, I never really felt like spirit of vengeance in her. Like she never, yeah, she didn't really have her knives out for Johannes, even though like the, the movie does a lot to be like, yeah, no, this guy is a piece of shit. Like, you know, he he had this big plan to run away with her, and now he's just back at his fabulous house with the Nora chick, and he's like... That house! Fuck that house! And his parents are coming. <laughs> no, he gets killed for that, for that pool alone. Exactly. <laughs> he's doing laps in it, and it's like, come on, man, that's not even like a quarter-length pool. <laughs> oh, oh boy. But yeah. No, it's, um, it's, I, I don't know. I still, I feel, I, I don't know if I, this is the right way to put it. It feels like a missed opportunity or like, I feel like I wish that I had gotten more out of this or I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm underwhelmed and a little let down by this movie. Cause I had, I had rather high hopes for it. And that's, I think that might honestly be like my final thought on it. Cause it's actually, it's not a very long film. It is an hour and a half long, <laughs> which is nice. Yeah, yes. it was short. How long is in the heights? I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I feel like it's two and a half hours. It's oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, oh man. I'm not, I'm not I will quit this podcast. God damn it. It's two hours and 23 friggin' minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. I think all the other Petzold films are also considerably longer, right? I mean, they tend um, to. In the past, I feel like they they kind of edge closer to two hours. Than... That's a good question. I, I will say that this is a short film, but I feel as though I it did feel a little longer. Now, anything that you're not enjoying as much as you liked other things is going to feel a little longer. Phoenix was 138. One hour okay, and 38 well, minutes. That's too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then Transit, I want to say, is maybe... It's an hour and 41. So he's he's going to keep it a keeping it tight yeah, yeah he's he's right around 100 minutes pretty much every single one of his film and that is why bill loves him Bishop, nope. get in and out <laughs> even if it's bad get in and out let's go let's oh, get God. the hell out of here yeah well, let's get the fuck out of here can't can't wait until uh we see how in the heights manages its uh two and a half hour runtime um so yeah if that's it does anyone have any final thoughts on uh, indiana before we uh we get on out of here I wish I liked this movie more. Yeah, that's ditto. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I, I do like the end, and I do like the central romance. So, like, I'm not going to complain too much in in my hour and a half uh, film. But yeah, I wish I wish some of the middle section and some of the early section was as strong as kind of that end because I feel like that end really really gives me something where I was kind of searching for it originally. And again, I'm just. I I don't think this film needs the fantasy element at all. I think it works very well as just kind of a, you know, like she could just be mad and just be like, I fucking hate you, Johannes. Like, so you'd yeah. like it if it was, if fine. it was like weirdly what I said, where it's like, what if we took Undina, but instead of like a curse and a sea nymph, it's just a woman who will murder a guy if he breaks up with her. Sure. A little like, fatal attraction, then, and, a little swim fan. Yeah. And and then it's like and then it's like, okay, now he's maybe and maybe that phone call actually happens, right? Where he's he's like questioning her and is like 
you know, maybe later on. I don't know. Th- this is quickly turning into thriller territory, which is not <laughs> necessarily what I want. But uh, yeah, no. I, what if I she were a like secret agent? Film, <laughs> I feel like uh, this doesn't need that kind of uh, extra element because I feel like the plot itself is so bare that it can't really sustain more threadbare stuff added on top of it. I think it's so what's yeah. interesting to me is, you know, uh, I think that one of the other things that kind of that kind of scares me and that um, like about this whole concept, really, and and that I think that this movie has a chance to do something interesting with and and maybe does or maybe doesn't, depending on how you read it, is that like, let's say that you are cursed so that anyone who falls in love with you and then falls out of love with you dies. Right. So then like a lot of that's going to be on you. Right. Like you can't you can't neglect them. You can't be a terrible person. Like the second someone says like, hey, I love you. You've got to be like, oh, shit. All right. I have to be all in on this person um, mm-hmm. because if they if they stop, they're going to die. And I like if, if it's there, just being a jerk and uh, whatever, then that's on them. But like I can't allow myself to be complacent in this to the point where they leave. Or else I will be effectively responsible for their death. <laughs> Um, and again, like I said, that's an interesting idea that I don't, uh, you know, depending on how you read this movie, uh, could be there, or could not be there. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that is it. That's all of our thoughts on Indina. Uh, Robin Barr, we've already, we already talked about what we're talking about next week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, You're really is, revving yourself up, man. This is just how we end episodes. So I was going to be like, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? And then, uh, the answer is terrible. Um, we we are talking about in the I'm Heights. excited. We are talking about in the Heights next week. It is on. Uh, it'll be in theaters and on HBO Max, correct? Yes. It is one of those HBO day day date release things. Um, I don't know if I ever said it, but Undina is in theaters and available for rental uh, on VOD as well. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, that's that's uh that's it. So uh, we'll be here next week for In the Heights, and then we'll have more episodes following that, of course. Uh, unless I make good on my promise to just quit instead of reviewing in the Heights. Uh, so oh, tune in next week oh. to see if I'm still here. Um, in the meantime, uh, don't forget we are brought to you by movie mubi.com slash film stage for free 30 day trial of the platform. And also the movie podcast to hear all about, uh, Paul Verhoeven's Turkish delight, which like all films in the first season, of their podcast was a big cultural sensation in its home country and nowhere else. Um, and, uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash film stage show to give us your money. And that's it. Uh, so let's tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and the next time we are in their ears. Uh, Ella Bittencourt, where can people find your stuff on the internet? Oh, God, good question. Um, well, so I, I happen to write for a notebook movie, so that's probably um, a good start. Um, since movie and, and maybe we should mention that I think movie is also going to be showing more of Petzl films. Um, and I'll, I'll do my pitch, but I'll just say if for some reason you watched Sundina and you were intrigued by a little bit of it, but didn't entirely love it, go ahead and watch Phoenix and Barbara um, and Transit for that matter. You're going to see some of the same actors doing fabulous performances and kind of like a conceit. I mean, I think the other films prove that that Petzl can do conceits well um, and um, and that he took a little bit more risk and maybe is still figuring stuff out with Undina. But anyway, so yeah, notebook movie and I guess hyperallergic, I guess film comment, sight and sound, etc. From my writing. 
All right. Bill Graham. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. You can also find me on Black Channel as well, mixing it up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Robin Barr. Uh, I'm on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my name, Robin Barr. Uh, you can sometimes find my work um, at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. Um, as for me, uh, what, what do I call it? You can find all the pictures of my life that I've curated to make myself appear much more successful and functional than I am on Instagram at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter for my occasionally witty bombos uh, at Brian J. Rowan. You can follow me on Letterboxd for my sporadic reviews of films that I don't talk about on this podcast at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, you can find my personal site at Brian J. Rowan. Dot com and of course uh, you can find me and my writing and every ep- uh, episode of this year podcast at thefilmstage.com so ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week Bye.